Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Romans 8.35 What a question! I have a friend who years ago believed God had deserted her, and I've spent all our friendship trying to convince her that God doesn't trick us into sinning, doesn't dress up in wolf's clothing to tempt us, and surely does not desert us at any time, whether we're in dire need or filled with grace. She'd have none of it, and wouldn't heed my words that her path, that she had gallantly taken because she thought she'd been led by God, into a situation she couldn't control, was in fact the work of the enemy, the wolf in sheep's clothing. The fact she'd been witnessing was what really floored her, and I don't know if even today she's convinced that it wasn't God tempting her. But I know God doesn't tempt us. He knows our weaknesses, and unlike the enemy, doesn't exploit them. I also know that God is not the one who walks away from me when I no longer feel his presence. It's because I'm the one who has turned away from him. One day at dinner... I took a salt cellar and a spoon and put them close together and said, Here's God, the salt, and here's me, you guessed it, the spoon. And I took the spoon on a lovely trip around the linen tablecloth, and that salt cellar did not leave its side. This is God, I said, and this is me. God is always beside me. I'm the one who turns her back and moves away. Once I had my children stand in front of my large bathroom mirror and look at themselves. Imagine the reflection you see is God looking at you, I instructed them. I gave them a phone book. Remember those huge tomes? Hold this up in front of your faces and tell me what you see. Of course, they gave the obvious answer. Now take down the book and voila, there was God again looking at them. God doesn't go anywhere. It's we who turn away and block his grace, his love, his salvation. The phone books represented anything that you put before God. So as Paul continues, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. All of that can have us turning from God, but he'll be right there at our sides like the salt cellar dogging my every spoony move. Remove the obstacle and find him again. He'll welcome you with outstretched arms. I promise. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNinney, and I'm going to be talking about my life as a homeschooler with my blue-eyed cowboy and our four children. Of course, the children are all grown now, but once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler. And I still have plenty of up-to-date tales about the family that derived directly from their exposure during their formative years to our unconventional lifestyle. Today, I'm enjoying the weather. It's so deliciously sweet at the moment, cool with a watery sun, completely conducive to long walks among the pine trees of East Texas. If God isn't in the murmurings of the wind in the treetops, then I don't know where he is. In the 
ordinary pine cones, the ornery squirrels, and the soaring hawks and vultures. God's creation is alive and well today. Each week I invite someone to join me during this hour and we talk about the delights and insights of parenthood. Whether they're homeschoolers or not, we put the world to rights and the issues of child rearing. Regardless of topic, I think you'll find our chats will always speak straight to the heart of parents who put their children above their highest joy. Today we're going to be treated to part two of my fascinating conversation with Janie Scanlon from Gering, Nebraska. She'll be bringing the story of how her daughter became Miss America 2011 and the joy and angst that went with all of that. I'll be talking more about obedience, settling in with my mother-in-law, everything that's happening in Dallas while we're here in Lindale, and boundaries. I'm drinking hot chocolate today just because it's in the cupboard with a slice of pumpkin roll to get me in the festive mood for Thanksgiving. I wish you were here is scribbled across my show book, but at least you can hear my accent and pretend you're in some lovely manor house across the pond for an hour. Let's get started, shall we? I spent part of this week getting my office squared away. Much as I liked the panoramic views of the space assigned to me, I decided that with two interior doors and an exterior door, it was a little too accessible. I was subconsciously waiting for interruptions all day. I persuaded my cowboy to take the office with views, and I proceeded to move into the spare room, which has one door I can close and a window with sightings of treetops. I found an unused desk out in the main house that I commandeered. It's similar to the one in London, so already feels like an old friend. And I got rid of old family photos lining the dresser and put up some of my books. I just generally moved things around a bit, and now I have a safe, quiet place where I can spend hours writing. We haven't gone grocery shopping yet, just out for some veggies, fruits, yogurt and fish. It looks as though we won't be doing much of a shop next week either. Our lives are definitely still anchored in Dallas. This week we're picking up our second son and his wife, who are flying home from a three-week trip to Southeast Asia. We're spending the night with them, so we'll be treated to a first-hand account of their holiday. Then, while we're there, Dortz wants to show us her room in her flat now that she's got it the way she wants it. She's like me. She skyped while I was rearranging my new office and was clearing out kitchen cabinets. I asked her, how does Ian feel about all your reorganizing and cleaning? And she said, he loves it. I bet he does. Last week, I talked about obedience to my children and how we were an open family who harbored a few secrets. The daily tea times around our kitchen table revealed more than I was comfortable knowing about the private lives of my offspring, but I listened with an open mind and a restrained tongue so they felt they could confide in me without being judged or pounced on. My guest this week, Janie, and I agreed that the building of relationships forms the groundwork for obedience. Don't you want to obey someone you have a deep and abiding love for? Did I take their cell phones away for their honest comments or hire a bodyguard to keep an eye on my overly friendly daughter at college? Of course not. I wouldn't. 
I'd be throttling their trust in me if I did that. I had to tell myself not to fixate on what I didn't approve of, but instead, as my yoga instructor suggested this morning, to find ways to be happy about what my children tell me, even if it is more than I need to know, so that I can find the place I need to be, which, surprise, surprise, is in my children's hearts and on their radars, enjoying an honest and an open relationship. How about you? My young adult children are obedient. I try to be careful and caution them in a roundabout way if I think they're heading for trouble. I'll ask leading questions about how they feel about certain incidents or say, and how's that working for you? Instead of trying to be the solver of problems, I ask, what are you planning on doing about that? Unless they out and out ask for my opinion or advice, I keep it to myself and write about it later. They know I know them better than anyone else. I think I know them better than they know themselves, but I don't flaunt it. When I consider my children in the light of the world and the big picture, I'm reminded of the parable of the talents when the master says, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a small with a few small things. I will put you in charge of many things." Matthew 25 verse 21. And this is how I feel about my children today. They've been obedient in their with their to their parents while growing up. They know how it feels to toe a line they may find difficult. And as adults, they'll recognize a call to obedience from God. Hopefully they'll spot the call a little bit quicker than I did. I still don't believe I asked for daily guidance in the right way to serve my Lord and then never kept an eye open for the answer to that prayer while it was happening then and there in every and ordin- every ordinary day. Perhaps that's the problem, the ordinariness of my life with my Lord. Maybe I'm wishing too big, or maybe he's thinking really big, and I'm merely a thread in his life-on-earth tapestry. To end on a light note. As parents, you and I both know developing a good rapport with our children is not always plain sailing. In James Dodson's book, Life on the Edge, A Young Adult's Guide to a Meaningful Future, I smiled at the following words he wrote to illustrate the frustrations between parents and their young adult children. Children, are you tired of being harassed by your stupid parents? Act now. Move out. Get a job. Pay your own bills. Do it while you still know everything. I'm thrilled to welcome back Janie Scallon as my guest this week. I'll be bringing you the second half of our conversation after the first break. As kindred spirits, we found so much to talk about. That's what I love about this show. I meet so many people and they're always gracious and willing to share their lives with me. Janie is a homeschooling mother of six, four girls and two boys ranging in age from 13 to 26. She lives in Gering, Nebraska and has just bought a coffee shop in her small town, which she runs with one of her daughters. Her husband, Mark, is a child and adult psychiatrist and Janie says he leaves his job at the office. Thank God. We're going to be picking up the narrative from where we left off last week. Her daughter, Teresa, was on the Miss America stage in Las Vegas. Janie is a first-generation American. Her parents are immigrants from Croatia, and listening to her tell about her children is an accolade to homeschooling and good citizenship, as you will hear. It's time for me to go on a break now, so off you go and replenish your cup of coffee or your hot chocolate or whatever it is you're drinking. Then come back after these short messages and join me once again with my guest, Janie Scanlon. 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. As I said before my break, I've got Jamie Scanlon again here with me to continue on with our conversation. Last week, um, I'm sure you'll remember that Janie's daughter, Teresa Scanlon, is um, was Miss America 2011. And Janie was telling us about the, um, the events that led up to um, her actually ending up on the stage, on the Miss America stage in Las Vegas. So Janie, welcome to my show once again. Thank you. All right, so let's just pick up uh, from where we left off last week. You were telling us a little bit, you told us the little story about Joshua, um, you know, saying, well, the people, you know, they like her. Can't we just go home now? Because we know she's going to win. He'd already called the fact that she was going to win out of the 15 beautiful girls that were up there on the stage. Tell us about her talent, because I know they've got to do a talent and it really does have to be pretty outstanding. They can't just go up and sing off key and kind of half get it. These girls really are pretty talented. Yes, they are. They're super. And I, I enjoy going to the shows, the preliminaries especially, mm-hmm. because I get to see these talents twice mm-hmm. uh, when you do the preliminaries and go in the, the other evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Teresa's talent was piano. Mm-hmm. And um, she played this. She loved to play piano. And I loved listening to her. And there was a particular song that she played that would make me come out of my bedroom if I was getting dressed or whatever. And I would just start clapping. Mm-hmm. every time she played this piece. Mm-hmm. And we were going over, you know, what is she going to play? What is she going to do for the talent? And um, so she she picked a couple different pieces. And I said, you know, Teresa, the only one I clap for is this particular piece. And it was called White Water Chopsticks. So we decided that that should be the piece, but she had to cut it down to 90 seconds. Okay. And the, the, the whole song builds. So we had to out where it was going to be cut off, how it was going to do. So she went to her piano teacher and they talked a little. She went to someone else to see if they could figure it out. Then um, she did win. We did cut it down to 90 seconds and she won her preliminary uh, pageant to go to Miss America and won Miss Nebraska also. And as she was going to be 
Miss Nebraska needed to have the um, artist that made the piece, that wrote the piece, uh, his permission. Okay. Because it was going to be on TV. Okay. So they had to have permission. So we ended up, they ended up calling the um, artist, and his name was Calvin Jones. And he, we found out, he called us, and we found out he lived in Fort Collins, which is only three hours from our home. All right. And we were just thrilled. I mean, that was so great. He called and was so excited that Teresa was going to be using his piece. We found out where he lived. We also found out he's a homeschooling father. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So he talked with my my husband, Mark, and um, Mark and Teresa went to meet him in Fort Collins. And he gave Teresa a lesson. Right. And he showed her what she should do in 90 seconds. Uh-huh. And he put the piece together, 90-second piece, told her how she had to speed it up so that he gets it all in 90 seconds. Um, so he did that with her a couple of times, and the piece was phenomenal. Right. When she came back and pay, played that 90-second little blurb of the song, mm-hmm. I clapped so hard. It was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. So when she went to Miss America, she won the par- the talent, preliminary talent, one night, and I just knew that that piece was one where everybody would stand up and clap, and they did. They it did. was just fabulous. Oh, great. Yes. So another homeschool family being, you know, it was just like of all the pieces that are out there, uh-huh. we happened to pick the one yeah. from somebody who lived that close and was also a homeschooler. You know, and I sometimes think that God's hand's in there somewhere. Yes, yes, definitely. Oh. Yes, and he is a Christian also, so that oh, was kind of lovely. neat. What a lovely, lovely story. Well, so she wins Miss America. Now, you said she was in Virginia, so does that mean she was already at college? No, she was not in college yet. Okay. She was being Miss Nebraska, Okay. and so she had an office downstairs. Okay. Uh, we set up a room down there for her office so she could have all her pictures and things that she had to sign and all the clothes and everything that needs to go with the job. And mm-hmm. um, So we had her down there, and uh, she would just use our home as her base, and then she would travel all over Nebraska okay. while she was Miss Nebraska. Okay. So, But she had to delay her college enrollment for a year. Uh, because of being Miss Nebraska. Yeah. So, she's now Miss America. So, what was that like? I mean, did she do a lot of traveling on her own? Did you get to go with her or visit her? Well, actually, um, the day she became Miss America, she we went up to the stage, and we couldn't even touch her at that time. We couldn't hug her. We couldn't do anything. They had pictures to take and other people got a hold of her uh, and we just got to see her for a second we didn't even say hello there was other people around her she got whisked away and we got whisked away and took taken in a limo around the building to another entrance where we went in for a um, press conference mm-hmm. so we did this we did the press conference um, got all that done then we got to go to then they ushered us into where she came in and we got to hug her for the first time in front of all the states and uh, the delegations from the different states. Mm-hmm. And that's when we got to see her finally. The next morning, we signed contracts because she was only 17. Of course, we had to sign everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, we signed contracts and then she was gone. That was Sunday. Mm-hmm. And she never came back home until much later. 
So much that, later it was, that day or much later that year? Much later that year. Yeah. It wasn't till Christmas time that she came home. So she did they just provide all her clothes for her? Was she able to get stuff together or what? Well, th- she was supposed to bring, um, she had two suitcases with her. She had some clothes with her. The gowns are sponsored gowns, so there's somebody that always provides her with dresses and things like that. So that's what she did. And Joseph Rubikoff was her clothing designer for her other clothes, and so they she got to pick whatever she wanted out of the Joseph Rubikoff collection. Mm-hmm. So we didn't see her for a while after that. Really? Yes. Was she able to call you and email? And- um, yes, they actually um, really... Um, encouraged her to call us mm-hmm. um, her tour managers is who she traveled with the tour manager all the time uh, some security would be with her and sometimes security was where she, they were ending up yeah. like when they arrived at a certain location yeah. they would provide security there um, and then the tour manager had a separate room from her but usually attached to her room and uh, that's kind of how she traveled for the whole year right so you know, you're a homeschooler, and your daughter is Miss America. Have you have you had come face to face with people criticizing you, your family, because it's not really you know it goes against Christian principles, perhaps. You know, mm-hmm. so tell tell me a little bit about that because again, you know, I talk about stereotyping homeschooling and ter- stereotyping a lot of everything. So we've got this idea about what the Miss America pageant is all about. Mm-hmm. How, how do you? How did you reconcile? How did you talk to people about that in your homeschool community, or did you? Well, I did a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the Miss America pageant, you know, the qualities that they they want these girls to have are all fabulous qualities. I wasn't so thrilled about the bikini thing, um, but Teresa was fine with it, and that's what really mattered. Yeah. Um, you know, I never let my girls wear bikinis when they were younger. Uh, when they turned, you know, old enough to buy their own clothes at 16, I told them, you know, you buy your own clothes, and if you want to buy them, I understand that you do. I really don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so they knew where I stood. Mm-hmm. Um, but Teresa felt comfortable enough to do that. She was glad she's glad she doesn't have to do that ever again yeah (laughs) but uh she felt comfortable enough with herself to to do that and um we have had a lot of criticism about the bikini Mm -hmm. competition that part of the competition um the thing is that you know anybody if they wear more clothes than that they could be taped they could be boosted they could have all kinds of other things on and it not really be their body and so that's the reason they want to make sure these women are healthy strong and fit and and that's what the whole thing is for so that was the probably the worst part um sometimes the dresses Mm -hmm. we get comments online uh, when the dresses that she gets are too low cut or too revealing and people think that she's picking out these dresses and she's not she still gets dresses sent to her now whenever she goes to a speaking engagement and they're not always hers so we get a lot of comments people have a lot of assumptions that you know girls are just kind of flaunting their bodies around and yeah. and this and that and that that's not the case yeah. these girls are out there doing a lot of community service most of their time they are 
is spent in community service. They're going to speak with large organizations. They're going to um, help children in hospitals. They're doing so much and so much good that I... I, I feel sad when people are nitpicking at the small things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you said, it, it, you know, in the big picture, that's really is that's really. I think what Teresa has got from you is your full support. The fact that she can be herself, make her own choices. Her choices have turned into fantastic, successful stories, and mm-hmm. she's been able to go out there and and work in the community and know that she hasn't alienated herself from you. And I think that's really important. Yes, I enjoy. Actually, I went to Broken Bow, Nebraska, just um, a week ago and spent some time with her. Uh, She was doing a speaking engagement for the One Box uh, hunting group. And they shoot, they're like a team of people that come and from all over the country and they shoot a pheasant with one box of shells. That's why they're called the One Box Group. okay. And so she was speaking to the women there, and she did a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. She had people in tears and uh, laughing and then back in tears and then laughing again. And we were just having a, a great time. And then we spent the afternoon, and I spent the night in the hotel with her and then came home the next day. Mm-hmm. So I got to see her again, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. But she's still doing things and encouraging speaking. Yeah. Uh, so is it is it the same as you know, any major um, thing that you win that once she's been Miss America, she's always out there, you know, as a Miss America. Yes, it's yeah. definitely that. Um, yeah. They call them the forever Miss Americas. Right. You know, once you're Miss America, you're always Miss America. Yeah. Yeah. There's only 90 some Miss Americas, you know, ever. Yeah. And uh, it's a great privilege to yeah, be. Absolutely. And to and to remember that it is, you know, when you're doing something like that, if you're a performer or a singer or Miss America, I, I try to bring it down to imagine what percentage of the whole population that is who get to do this very special thing. And sometimes it's not easy. It's not all the no. glamour and glitz. That's but, right. You know, you have to remember that, oh, gosh, you're not one of hundreds of thousands who go to nine nine to five boring desk jobs that's right (laughs) yes when she was miss nebraska she worked uh habitat for humanity house Mm -hmm. in our area Mm -hmm. and my the fellows from our church were just laughing they said miss nebraska was underneath the house because she was the only one who fit in the crawl space (laughs) (laughs) so Teresa's not she has moved on now although she's still a Miss America, and is at college. Tell us a little bit about her college. Um, Teresa's going to Patrick Henry College in Virginia. Now, this is a very conservative Christian college, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's pretty small, um, and it's just, it's a very conservative college, but very thorough. They teach Constitution, and they uh, have very um, strong I don't know how to say this. Um, well, I know I read something that that um, you have to consult with your parents before you want to enter into a relationship with a boy, and yes. so so they're they're strict on that. Even though you're there at college, you still you still have to um, sort of report. You're accountable still to your parents. So. Yes, yes, they're very they're very good with that. There's much more. Uh, other colleges, you know, you can't get their grades without oh, permission. That's right. You know, 
That's right. That's right. And she has high ambitions. Yes, she does. Um, she would like to be president of the United States mm-hmm. someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to be a Supreme Court justice. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll just see how that goes. Yeah. So, you know, your your children may not be going into the medical profession, but they've certainly got the brains to move themselves forward into whatever it is it sounds like that they want to do. Yes. You know, and when you're on that stage at Miss America, you have a 2%, less than a 2% chance to win right. because there's 53 girls. Mm-hmm. So I figure she did pretty well mm-hmm. and she may be president of the United States someday. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> She'll be a whole lot older and a whole lot wiser. That's right. Yeah. Well, time. Well, Janie, we have to go on a short break now and we'll be back in just a few moments. I'm talking to Jamie Scanlon. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. I'm back with Janie Scanlon, and we were talking about her daughter and Miss America. And now we're going to talk a little bit about creativity and artistic um, talents within her family. Um, because I noticed when I was just looking looking you up that you know there does have to be a talent, so obviously there there is you know sort of creativity going on in your family. So tell us a little bit about um, the artistic nature. You and your husband. What what do you are you artistic? What what do you enjoy doing? Well, actually, I think that it skips generations because <laughs> uh, I played the piano at uh, one time. And I play about as at a third grade level. So I'm not very good. All right. Uh, my husband, he sings in church, but he's never done anything else. So we're both not very creative ourselves. But our children, I would always play music for them at home. Uh, we had multiplication songs and geography songs mm-hmm. and just different things, uh, hide them in their heart songs and lots of uh, good Christian music that I put tapes on all the time. So they love to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, when the four girls were younger, they would they had a group and they called themselves um, Tip of Mercy. Oh. And instead of Point of Grace, they mm-hmm. changed it to Tip of Mercy. Mm-hmm. And they sang a lot of Point of Grace songs. Um, they just enjoyed it. And they sang. They would dress up the same. They 
they wanted outfits and all that stuff. And they sang at church and talent shows and, and things like that and, and really enjoyed music together. Mm-hmm. Um, I required all my girls to take piano lessons because I felt that it was important for their brain development. Mm-hmm. So all of them did take piano lessons. Even my sons took piano lessons. Um, and the reason, again, was for their, for their brain development. But some of them really enjoyed it, and some didn't. And, and some wanted to do guitar and um, just other things. But they've always kind of been great singers. I really thought everybody could sing, except me. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, I've heard other people sing, and not everybody can sing. No, no, that's so, right. So all my girls sing, and they love it. My son, um, Adam, is now taking up ukulele Mm -hmm. and he also plays guitar and piano and he does a very good job and he's teaching himself now and uh it's just fabulous to hear him play Mm -hmm. and my son josh loves to play the drums so everybody's kind of doing different things uh none of them are very artistic in our um in drawing or painting or any of that type of media well you know I i was thinking about um creativity and um, being artistic and I never considered myself to be artistic one of my teachers at school told me at a very early age I think I was six that I just was ashamed that I couldn't draw or paint and so that kind of hit me <laughs> and I oh. never really got an awful lot of encouragement from my parents because I you know I really to tell the truth I cannot draw but when I had children I would tell them stories because I love to write and I love to tell stories. And I would tell them stories and they would want me to draw the stories for them. And so I, I would do a little, you know, I'd, I'd line off a piece of paper and make these little things like comic strips. And right. I would just do stick figures. That's all I could do. But I could get them doing stuff. And I could yes. put the colors in there. Well, my children thought I was the best artist in the world. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. You know? And so I got my confidence. And I decided that I might not be artistic. You know, I couldn't play the piano and I can't sing and I can't draw or paint. I'm good with colors, though. And I can look at a room and I can tell you, you know, if you move this here and that there and did this, that and the other, it will make a big difference, you know, so I can do that. Yes, yes. My oldest daughter is very good with that type of thing. She's also a fabulous writer. Mm. And when she was young, she's the only one that did this. She wrote articles for our local newspaper. Mm -hmm. And that was what we did for creative writing. And she had a column in our paper called A Spoonful of Sugar of our family in 200 words she told a delightful story and would just take little incidents that happened in our home all the time and write write a story about it so she's she's a fabulous writer has always been really gifted in that area yeah and you know people that can cook people that can put recipes together Mm -hmm. garden you know have things grow i mean that's all creative isn't it Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So my daughter Sarah started a business when she was probably 13 or 14 called Sarah's Sunshine Breakfast Service. And uh, my oldest daughter loved it. She made her T-shirts. She did the business cards. They did the whole thing themselves. And they just homeschooling really gives children a chance to just go for something. You know, if they want to try something, they can do it and they could do wholeheartedly because they have that time mm. so, so if they you, wanted to work on 
business plan, I would let them do that all day. Exactly. So did you did you did you start by using a curriculum, or did you just go f- on your own from the beginning? Um, actually, I did start by using a packaged curriculum the very first year, but I by the end of the year I had changed it so much. <laughs> what did you use? I used a program called Abbott Loop. Okay. It was Abbott Loop Christian School, mm-hmm. and I I used this thing because it was pretty hands on. And I, I really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I kept on adding things to it and changing things. Mm-hmm. So as time went on, I realized I was more of an eclectic type person. Yeah. And um, that's how I I just started, uh, it, just tried to interview people about what they liked, what they used, what mm-hmm. they, how they were, and put things together for my yeah. girls that way. Yeah. And have you found over the years that your homeschool has changed? Oh, yes. Um, from being very hands-on and um, being eclectic, I kind of pared everything down when I started getting busier and the kids started getting older. And I did a video school one time. I did uh, online school another time. We've changed. We've tried everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I tried to incorporate video into my children's school. We didn't watch television. Mm-hmm. And they, were, they had a movie night on a Friday night. And so, so that wasn't part of their, they, they didn't, you know, it wasn't kind of part of their lives. And so I, I tried to introduce videos and they just didn't want to do it because it just wasn't, it didn't feel like, well, they said it didn't feel like school to them. They were so funny because they wanted it to feel like school. And I was the one that was going, it doesn't have to, you don't have to sit at your desk and do this stuff. You can branch out. <laughs> they were just very conservative. The boy, My boys were, in fact, very mm-hmm. conservative. But, you know, it, it stood them, it, it did well for them. And they're not at all really conservative. Now that they've now that they've grown up, they're you know in my my oldest son is a filmmaker and and he loves doing that, but just very organised and very sensible. So mm-hmm. I think the girls got all the all the scatty genes, but that's <laughs> fine because they're they're amazing people in the, themselves. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, okay, so you have what do you do for yourself? Uh, what do I myself? Well, right now I'm running a coffee shop. Okay, so tell us about that. Um, well, I. My my oldest son Adam was just telling me, "Mom, why don't you work?" And <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I've been working all these years." Yeah. But uh, they and then I I went and I saw this uh, advertisement for this coffee shop that was for sale in our town. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped by and to talk to the owner. She was a homeschool mom, mm-hmm. also, mm-hmm. and we just started talking. And I I actually prayed with her, and we we talked about. We prayed about the coffee shop and the new owner. I didn't know I was going to be the new owner yet. And I went home, and about a week later, I'm thinking about this, and God just kept bringing that coffee shop back to my mind. Mm -hmm. And I had wanted to get um, some kind of a business going for my daughter, Angela, who's my oldest. Mm -hmm. And and this coffee shop seemed like a good fit. She had worked there when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And so I asked her if she would want to go into that type of business. We had already looked at uh, storage shed things. That was just too much. The uh, initial down payment for it was just too much. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't do storage sheds. uh, But I thought maybe the coffee shop. So I got really excited about it, called my husband, talked to my husband about it. He was like, well, look into it. So I went and talked with the gal at the coffee shop again. Um... 
brought it back to my husband. He okayed it. And so we went for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened very quickly, but we are so enjoying it. We've, we're the owner since uh, September. Okay. And uh, it's just been really so fun. September this year? Yes, the September of this okay, year. So you're brand new. So did you have to learn? I mean, do you have the full thing? You make cappuccinos and all the Yes, we make all the different flavored coffees, which I've been totally enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like opening up your living room to people. You know, they come in, they sit down, they chat with you, and you make them coffee. And I just love it. And it's really a lot of fun. And you do food? Yes, we do. We do lunches, light lunches and sandwiches and things like that, as well as some breakfast items, you know, uh, pumpkin bread and uh, scones and mm-hmm. things like that. So have you got a cook that does that, or do you do that? Um, in the morning, uh, I have a gal that comes in at 5.30, and she does all the baking. All right. Yes. Lovely. So, I do some baking. Well, I do cookies and things like that. That's great because my daughter is a barista for Starbucks. And oh. She has found that that takes her anywhere because, I mean, we go to England. She can get a job there. She comes back to yes. America. All else fails She because she's trained. It was a, an intense training here, mm-hmm. uh, thing. But she has just spent, she just spent the last three months on a cruise ship dancing all huh? through Europe. So every port of call, they'd go find the coffee shop because that's where they got Wi-Fi. So yes. she came back here and um, we went to Starbucks to get a cup of coffee. And she said, my goodness, she said, I've been so spoiled by these lovely cafes in Europe. They have so much atmosphere. And she said, the Starbucks is just so blah. Well, she'd never have said that before because she loved her Starbucks. <laughs> yes. Um, so it sounds as though, because I, I'm a great um, supporter of little local businesses. Mm-hmm. And it sounds as though you've got a nice little local coffee shop and you have, do you have your regulars? Yes, we do. You know them and you name them by their dreams. Yes, yes, they have their favorites and we know what they want and it's really a lot of fun. And uh, it's great seeing my daughter every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me that is, you know, Angela and I haven't always had a really great relationship. We've had our hard times and uh, there was a point in her life where she actually didn't even want us in her life. Really? And now uh, we're working together at the coffee shop. She's married now. Um and it's just so much fun to see her every single day yeah. and uh, just enjoy it. And so she's 26? Yes. And she's the one who moved away. Did she move away and go to ma- massage, therapy, massage school. therapy school? Now, did that ever um, pan out into anything? Um, yes, it did. She was licensed in um, Colorado and she could practice in Wyoming. The only problem was Nebraska. Nebraska requires a lot more hours. Mm-hmm. Even though she had hours, she had been doing massages for friends, family and things like that. She did not have enough uh, supervised hours and it would cost about $10,000 more yeah. to, t- to be licensed in Nebraska. So she never really got licensed in Nebraska. And so we were trying to find her something else that she could do. And that's just wonderful that she agreed and and supported you as well, because I know a lot of times your children want it to be their own thing. Well, when they're younger, they do. I think when they get older, they realize, "Hmm, well, mom and dad do know something. (laughs) Yes, and we're such different personalities and that she fills the gaps that I am lacking in and I fill the gaps that she's lacking in. So it works out great. Well, good. And that that's another that's another example of as a parent, if you fully support your child, meet them where they are, 
don't judge them um, and you know they can feel your love then you you may lose them for a bit but not forever that's right that's for sure yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Um, so it's never too late I don't think to um, pursue a dream obviously I don't know whether having a coffee shop was your dream but obviously having your own business was actually my one of my big dreams is to write a book all right and I have found a ghostwriter that's going to help me with that okay so I'm really excited about that that's another adventure of mine that I'm kind of pursuing so what's what sort of book uh, the story of our lives um, about a son that I had given up for adoption and is going to return, uh, has returned to us, and um, just about how things went with Miss America and and uh, our lives and my parents' lives because they are. I'm a first generation American. My parents are from Croatia, okay. and how they escaped and came to the United States. Wow. And you know, going from being an immigrant. To having a granddaughter that is Miss America is a total fulfillment. And a potential president. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Yes. So there's a lot of things in the future. We'll see what happens. Wow. Fantastic. Well, Janie, thank you so much for joining me these last two weeks. It's been absolute absolutely delightful to get to know you to hear your story and you've teased me with 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 potential future you know sort of um interviews with with other stories that you've got going there yeah so, well yes so Janie, thank you so much as i've said once again um I'm sure we'll be talking again because now I have your email. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> so let me know. Let me know when you um, are, are writing your book or when you get it published and I'll be happy to um, talk about it and have you on again and you can talk about your book and you can talk about your parents and anything else, you know, sort of really exciting that happens in your life. Okay, right, thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. It has been great. Great talking to you. Bye. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station? Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. 
I was talking to Janie Scanlon, a homeschooling mom of six, who talked about her daughter Teresa's crowning as Miss America 2011. Janie lives in Gering, Nebraska, and her words of encouragement and down-to-earth attitude when dealing with her family are truly uplifting, as I'm sure you'll agree. Janie's husband, Mark, is a child and adult psychiatrist, and he had to wait through four daughters before he finally got a short run of sons. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and are discovering that there are Christian homeschoolers in all walks of life. We need to witness everywhere, and what a blessing the Scanlon family are to their community and the world. God bless you and yours, Janie. I look forward to speaking to you again sometime. Dortz has been doing quite a few days on the Dallas set, which could well be construed as another place where Christians don't need to be. But we're in the Bible Belt here, and the background extras are peppered with more than a smattering of Christians of all ages. The two days I worked last week were a joy in spiritual talk. I met all denominations, and we talked about homeschooling, churches, being born and bred Texans, our churches, and how we're raising our children. There were a good number of youngsters who were heading down the slippery slope of ruin, an exaggerated observation on my part, I hope, who heard the word being spoken among them and enjoyed a joke, breaking bread and companionship with all of us. Whether what we said or how we acted changed their lives immediately, I don't know, but I can confidently say they'll remember their time on the Dallas set in years to come and may hear again the words they heard during those two days in some other place and their hearts may be returned to the Lord. That's my prayer and that's why I keep going back. Talking about breaking bread together, I have a funny story. Working on the set in a union-driven environment has its quirks. On one of our filming days, the caterers put out the salads and heating trays with the veggies in them at one o'clock, and all the background extras were in the room looking for something to do. Some of them started filling their plates with salad and veggies. Our boss, the casting agent, had to tell us that we weren't allowed to eat until the crew had been on set for six hours, and they officially broke for lunch, which wouldn't be until 2.30 that day. We all had to wait until lunchtime was called, as determined by how long crew had been at work. No matter that some of us had been there since 7am to beat the rush for their costumes, hair and makeup check. In the caterer's defence, we had been served a scrummy breakfast on our pre-dawn arrival that could easily have lasted me through the day. I wasn't one of the gun jumpers at lunchtime. Back to the union. It's very strict. There have to be 12 hours between wrapping and starting again the next day, and sometimes the wrap doesn't happen until 9 in the evening, so first call for crew is 9 in the morning. The later the wrap, the later the morning start, and the later the shooting goes that night, and the later the call the next day, and so on through the week if the scheduling gets off. My filmmaker son can tell you all about that, but the weekend evens things out, and they start all over again on Monday morning. Just say no. That sounds like a catchy directive, doesn't it? And it is, LOL, as my children would text. I was convinced, and I don't know about you, when my children were young that they deliberately formulated questions that consistently had no for an answer. I grew tired of saying no, but I couldn't say yes, not if I was going to grow my children into people I liked as well as loved. Can I take my rubber boat and paddle it down the creek? No. Why not? It's just at the bottom of the garden. What if I ask a friend to go with me? 
Absolutely no. Mum, can we go to the mall and just mill around with some of our friends from theatre? No. No one at the theatre who had children I'd approve of as friends would allow their children to just hang out at the mall. So where did that come from? They were pulling my chain. Can we have McDonald's for dinner tonight? No. For goodness sake, lovely children, why do you keep asking questions that have no answers? What about Cece's? Have you forgotten eat-out day is Friday, today is only Thursday? And so it would go on and on. I have boundaries. I'm good at setting both physical and emotional boundaries for myself, and my children are really good at pushing my limits. However, I didn't waver, and I think I'm being rewarded for my diligence. But let's back up a moment here. Who is being rewarded for my diligence? My children. They're the ones that are being rewarded for my diligence. Before we go there, a quick illustrative story both my girls, who were babysitters at Jazzercise a few years ago, were privy to. As a parent, I'm the first to admit I dreaded those Attila the Hun days almost as much as my children did. I longed to be June Cleaver but looked dolefully at all my offspring and saw no budding Archie Bunkers amongst them. Being a parent is tough and unpopular. It's supposed to be rewarding and as I alluded to above, perhaps they're the ones reaping the benefits, not me, but I think I am too. One day, as my daughters and I arrived at the gym for jazzercise, we witnessed a scene where a four-year-old was screaming as he passed through the glass entryway. His younger sister was in tow furiously, sucking on her pacifier. Mum held open the heavy doors for them so that they didn't crush their fingers. We dodged the offensive child and continued into the lobby. But, Mummy, I want something from the snack machine! We could now hear what the commotion was all about. His little voice had reached growl-like proportions as he realised that each step towards the babysitting room and my daughters took him away from the treat he desperately wanted. Sister mutely continued sucking on her pacifier. In England it's called a dummy, for good reason, I think. As I hurried from the battlefield to the sanctuary of my class, I heard Mum say, I said no to chocolate, John, so calm down. John hadn't asked for chocolate merely something from the snack machine. I smiled back at my daughters. They'd had their work cut out for them this morning. Why can't I have a snack? I want a snack. I want a snack. He fell to the floor, clearly embarrassing his mother. Annie, this said to her pacifier-sucking daughter, you go with Miss Paris and Miss Malia. I'll bring John in a minute. Well, that was a wrong suggestion. Annie spat out her pacifier and began to cry. As I turned my back, I heard, I want my pillow. No, we decided to leave your blanket at home this morning. Mum's attempt at defraying the inevitable is valiant but weak. Annie knows the difference between a blanket and a pillow. No, my pillow's in the car, she observed. I want my pillow. She started to hyperventilate, besting her brother. After class, I asked my girls what the outcome to the tantrums had been, suspecting that poor Mum had lost the battle. John had been given his snack, not chocolate. Annie also was given a snack, while Mum hurried to the car to retrieve the pillow, not the blankie, that had been decided against at home. Where were the boundaries in that little scenario? What lessons did the children learn? Better yet, what lessons did my daughters learn? Parenting is not a popularity contest. It's a job if you don't want your children walking all over you. We owe it to our children to be parents. They need us to set boundaries and... 
as they reach teenagehood, to offer unsolicited advice, map out guidelines, invade their privacy, spoil their fun, even embarrass them in front of their friends. Dortz and I were listening to a talk show in the car shortly after this incident. The host and a child developmental expert were discussing parents who were friends with their children and avoided unpleasant scenes of the kind I've just described. The expert said parents had to be parents, and sometimes that meant their children wouldn't like them. My daughter, a popular 18-year-old, heaved a deep sigh. That sounded serious, I remarked. She turned her head to me and said, Oh, I don't know if I could handle my children not liking me. I nodded sagely. I don't know if I can handle my children not liking me either, but that doesn't stop me from saying no. Today, my nanny daughter is reaping the fruit of my many no's. She lives with a family who have no boundaries, and she's very fond of them and their children. But I reminded her that she needed to say no every now and then, otherwise she'd become utterly theirs, as the poor mum in my story had become utterly her toddler's. My daughter's bosses may not like her refusal to be at their beck and call 24-7, but it is going to prolong the relationship and make for a healthy working environment. Boundaries are all about knowing when to say no, or, as I prefer these days, when to say yes. Well, it's time for me to skedaddle once again. The week ahead is busy, and we're not even in the holiday season. As I mentioned, I'm picking up my son from the airport. I have writing critique with my lovely friends and my blue-eyed cowboy, and I are catering a meal for the cast and crew of my filmmaker's son's pilot. He's shooting. Luckily, both of those are on the same day, so just one trip to Dallas. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Janie Scanlon, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time to Toginet and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.